Uh, we talk about trust in the Lord. We're preaching and teaching and talking to others. But when it comes to us, we want to scream, Lord, where you at? <laughs> but that's what we're told to do. That's right. You tell them, girl. But uh, I do appreciate the opportunity to be here. Please pray for the pastor uh, being sick. I know there ain't nothing easy. And uh, he got up in the morning, in the middle of Sunday school. I know that that bothers him more than it does me. I know stuff happens, and you know, I, everybody. Hey, and I was watching all that, but uh, um, sometimes Lord just has a way of doing things like that. Maybe he needed a break. I don't know. Whatever it is, but. Uh, it's funny, you see things up here. It kind of makes you laugh and all. When, when Andrew come in this morning, I don't even know if y'all noticed that, but Saul was standing over on the end with a songbook. And Andrew come walking up and looked down there and she looked up at him and looked back down and just kept on going. She wasn't about to move over. <laughs> I said, now that's a Baptist right there. <laughs> I tell you, that's funny. Bless your heart, girl. Anyway, all right, let's, uh, let's start tonight. Open up your Bibles into uh, Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> we'll be at verses 18 through 20. Randy come up to me before this. He said, let him have it. Okay, I will. Best I can anyway. We're going to preach about fishing, so there you go. <laughs> Falls right into it. Danny's already praying. <clears throat> Now, uh, Wednesday night, now Bud mentioned something about this. Uh, uh, Paul, a lot of times in, in, his, uh, in his, his books, he refers to athletics, you know, run the race, you know, uh, striving for the mark and things like that. And, and fishing is another one. Uh, and, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit. But uh, let's read the verses and then we'll uh, open up in a word of prayer and uh, give you what I've got. All right. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Now we see, Jesus is just kind of walking by the ocean, uh, I like doing that. When we go to the beach, I go out there early in the morning. I ain't going out there in the middle of the day when it's hot. I can work on the dock and get that. Uh, I like going out there in the morning. That sun's coming up. It's beautiful. There's not many people out there. The birds are screeching. The, wa the waves are crashing. Now, I'm telling you, it's just something. About, it's it's medic medical, you know what I'm saying? And here Jesus is doing the same thing. He's walking by the sea and he looks. And there's two brothers. And it classifies them as fishermen. Now, it is odd that it says they're not in the boats fishing. They're on the coast. They're standing on the beach throwing their nets out. And I'm thinking, they got to be mighty strong to throw them nets out pretty far and get some fish. But, hey, they're fishermen. What do I know? You know? And uh, he calls out to them. And they immediately respond. That word straightway. If you look in the book of Mark and read the same story, and not just in his story, but uh, let's see, from chapter 1 down through chapter 2, he uses straightway. Mark must love that word. He uses straightway uh, one, two, three, four, five times in the first two, six times 
in the first three chapters straightway. Straightway basically means immediately, right then and there. Okay. All right, so we're going to look at this and break it down a little bit. Uh, first, let's pray, and uh, then we'll get into this. All right, our great Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, today. Lord, we thank you for your hand upon the message uh, this morning. Uh, Lord, we pray for the same tonight. Lord, I pray that no matter what the message is, Lord, if you're not in it, it doesn't matter. And Lord, I pray that you just take the, the message as it is. Lord, use it to your, uh, to your will uh, to speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. Whoever stands in need of whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that they get through the Holy Spirit what they need tonight, Lord, to get through this week. Um, and Lord, we know you have the power and the authority to do that. And we pray, Lord, for uh, your hand upon this service tonight, Lord. Bless uh, you've already blessed us with the song, Lord. We pray, thank you for that. And we need to trust you more, Lord. We certainly do. Yes. Be with us this week, uh, Lord, as we meditate on these words and help us to be, as this message is going to challenge us, to be fishers of men. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, <clears throat> in talking here about the ocean uh, and where they are, um, God has gave us uh, some hobbies or some interests that we, we do uh, to, to help us relax, uh, to help us to recharge, to help us to gain uh, focus again. Uh, I do like woodworking. Uh, uh, there's something about uh, even messing around in dangerous blades and stuff. It is calming. <laughs> you have to respect it, you know. Uh, but, but when you've got a picture in your mind of something you want to make out of just a, a square block of wood or, or like a stone maker, you know, and they're chiseling away the part that doesn't belong there, uh, you get to the finished product. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a master woodworker, but when you get done, you are kind of, you, you created that, you know, with God's help. Uh, it is nice. Um, but I also like to take time to, to go golfing and, and fishing when I can. I know it costs money, so I don't get to go as much as I, I'd like to. But I don't like to do them because I'm great at them. I, I'd like to go, I like to do them because I enjoy it. And most of the time when I do it, I'm with at least one of my boys, or two or some of them. Now, uh, the Dalton and Tucker got to go this uh, uh, weekend when we went. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I like being with them. Uh, they're usually not fussing and fighting when I'm around, so <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but <clears throat> it, it is a time of rest and relaxation. A lot of times when you're doing those things, uh, it lets your mind work out some situations. You maybe have uh, concerns, problems, and you just have to let your mind work on them things. And, that, and that's a good time to do that. You know. Um, and the interesting thing, too, about this passage, when Jesus asked these two, Simon and Andrew here, uh, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. Now, up to that time, as far as I know, that's a phrase that's never been in the Bible, never been used before. Jesus, this stranger, he'd never met him before. He walks up and he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And these brothers, again, they're brothers. They're working in the same profession. I'm sure something their father started. If not, they started, but they had uh, a lot invested in this business. Uh, as far as I know, fishermen in that day and age didn't get rich. They weren't filthy rich. They might have scraped by, but it was a living. It was honest work. It was hard work, but it was honest work. They had to keep at it. Yeah. And so this guy's telling them, hey, drop everything you're doing. You come follow me. 
and I'll make you fishers of men. I don't know about you, but you know, you're like, well, we've got to count the cost here. Wait a minute. They didn't take time to ask a bunch of questions. doesn't say they asked a bunch of questions. It just said they got up and went. Uh, Neither does it say they took the time to initiate some kind of takeover plan. Well, who's going to run the business while they're gone? It said they left their nets. They left it all. Now, man, you talk about trust. And you talk about faith. That's dropping everything. That's that's strange. That's equipped. That's crazy. (laughs) Really. But in applying that to what I'm talking about, to go golfing or fishing, there are two very important things that you must have, things that you need. Number one, you've got to have the right mindset as best you can. (laughs) That is a challenge for some of us. But if your mind's somewhere else, and you go up there and you approach that golf ball and you take a swing at it, what's going to happen? <laughs> Even when you're focused on it, it's hard to get it to go straight. Yeah. And, and if you're not focused, lose the focus, you'll never, it's not going to be there. You're going to have a hard, long, hard day. You might as well pack it up and go. The other thing you're going to have to have is the right equipment. Now, when I say the right equipment, I don't mean you got to go out here and buy $5,000 set of golf clubs, $6,000 fishing rod. It don't have to be the expensive equipment. It has to be the right equipment. Like I said, if you're going golfing, you don't take an oar. Now, Happy Gilmore might be able to do that with a hockey stick. But you're going to have a hard time. If you're playing golf, you need golf clubs. If you're going fishing, you need a fishing rod or something similar to it, bamboo rod, something. you got to have the right equipment. And in this passage, we're going to see there is some right equipment we as Christians need when we go fishing for men. We can't just jump out there and get in that thing and say, you know, hey, I'm going to go get up a bunch of guys. There's people today that try to say they do that. I'm going to go out here and just get up a bunch of people. We're going to start a church and we're going to, get, we're going to go save some people. That's the way they say it. We're going to go save some people. <clears throat> that ain't the way to do it according to this Bible. There is a right way. Now the first piece of equipment, the first Right equipment that we're going to need is the rod, the rod, the fishing rod. That's a picture of the Bible. Isaiah fifty-five eleven says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. That means when it comes back, he didn't throw it out useless. It's always for good. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. He's not just going to send it out there and it's going to be happy. Good. It's going to prosper. It's going to do good. And so the Bible is our rule book as, as well as God's diary. If you need to know what we need to, to do in a certain situation, you read your Bible. It's not going to say on this day, in this time, you need to do this. But it's going to give you the process. Yes, right? right? If, it's, if it's something you got a, a challenge about, it's going to tell you, in some way or another, it's not going to be right there on the page in some cases uh, how to handle a person or a situation. But, but eventually, if you're reading the Bible, uh, God's going to give you the answer. Amen. <clears throat> Listen, I, and I said it in Sunday school. we got to nail this down of why we're here. Why are you here? And I'm not talking about tonight. I'm talking about in general. Why are we as people here? God created us to have somebody to talk to. God wanted fellowship. With us. 
God set up the perfect situation. He gave us everything we could possibly need. Even everything we could possibly want. The Garden of Eden. Man, what better place could there have been? Four rivers around that thing. Water everywhere you turn. All of that fruit. Yeah. Right. And all he said was, just don't touch that one tree. <laughs> I don't know how big the Garden of Eden was. I, 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 if you picture where all them rivers were, it took you a while to walk it all. Imagine that. Don't touch that tree. And the day you do, you'll surely die. He didn't just say don't touch that tree and leave it. He gave them what happened. They knew the result of what would happen if they disobeyed. Now, they've never committed sin before, ever. They didn't know what that was like. It says in the Bible that in the cool of the evening, listen, in the cool of the evening, God would come down here and walk with them in the garden and talk with them. Can you imagine the conversation that must have been like? What could you and God have talked about in the cool of the evening with a sinless heart? That's what Adam had. That's what Eve had. And then that Satan comes in. It caused them to sin. Now listen, I've heard, I've heard this before and I thought this was really good. A lot of people think, you know, looking down a woman because Satan went after the woman and she failed. Satan was a deceiver, a master deceiver. He knew if he went after the man, and I mentioned this, man's a thinker, I'm not saying he's a smart thinker, but it's a, it's a brain. He knew that if he went after the thinker, the man could have deduced a way or, or, or been hesitant, okay? You know what I'm saying? The woman thinks with the heart. Yes. He knew if he got the woman, he'd not only have her, he'd have the husband because she's going to go with him. Right. Yes. He's going to go with her and he'd have the children too. Yes. Right. That's saying something about the, the, the power a woman has. Yes. Right. There's respect there. Yes, sir. What to say the house goes as the mother goes? <clears throat> ain't nobody happy if mama ain't happy. You know, we all joke about that little saying, but is that not true? Hey, when something's wrong with her, our house is wrecked. We got grown people in our house, and we—I'll just say it—we can't function. She'll tell you, I'll starve to death. I will fix something eventually, but it usually ain't something healthy. It'd be a peanut butter jelly mixed up, or pancakes, or something. I'll live off of that. That's the way it is. Satan knew that. That was the heart. Of the family unit. It started back then. And I mean look at the results of it. What did Adam do? He ate that fruit. You know why? He didn't want to be separated from her. Right. You think he didn't know what was going to happen? Surely he knew what was going to happen. Look what happened to her children. First two children. Cain and Abel. Man alive. One of them killed the other. We need that rod. And when I say that rod, you go through the book of Proverbs, it calls it the rod, the rod of correction. Sometimes we are so hard-headed, we need to be spanked. We need to be corrected. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of times when that rod comes to meet you, high end, it ain't a pleasurable event. It ain't a pleasurable event. I should know. Well practiced in it. Proverbs 3.11 My son despise not the chastening of the Lord neither be worried or worried of His correction. I think that's the way it is. I can't read my writing. 
Despise not the chastening. You know why we should not despise it? That shows His care and His love for us. Hey, He gave us the instructions. So where's the fault at? Right here. We don't open it. We don't open it and use it. And even when we do, we still got to follow it. Just like He's saying in that song. We got to trust. We got to trust in Him. That goes back like when Moses led them out of Egypt. Oh, it was all happy-go-lucky. They'd be given all these treasures. I'm sure they're banging their tambourines and blowing their horns and celebrating and all that. What happens as soon as they get out there? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? <laughs> we're better off if we were going right back. They were slaves. God had to deal with them. Then He gets them out there and they get in a position out on the edge of the cut. Now, they're out there on the coast. What better place to be, right? But then they turn around and they see that dust cloud coming. And you didn't have to tell many of them. They all knew what that meant. That Egyptian army was bearing down on them. And there's a, there's a message, I forget who preached it, it's called Stuck Between a Rock and a Hard Place. They couldn't go left and they couldn't go right. They had water in front of them and they had an enemy that was bound and determined to kill them coming up behind them. And they say, Moses, what are we going to do? Here's a million people in some. A million plus people going, Moses, what are we going to do? And Moses prayed to the Lord and he said, Lord, what are we going to do? And God tells him, he said, you stand still. That's right. Yeah. Moses goes, what? What was that? I know I didn't hear that right. He said, you stand and you stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Right. Oh, now it's a wonderful thing to see the salvation of the Lord. But you know what? Most times we miss seeing the salvation of the Lord because we won't stand still. Right. You have to be still to be silent to hear because most of the time that salvation is something so quiet if you're not paying attention and focused, you will miss it. Yes, sir. Right. I told you about this weekend we were down there. We had just left eating Friday night and went and stopped the gas station. All the cop cars were coming by. It was a shooting right down right where we'd come from in a high-speed chase. Who's to say we couldn't have been caught right in the middle of that? <laughs> you have to see things like that. Yes. We had one, forgive me, I, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. Dale was teeing off. Now listen, I was running chauffeur all weekend long, so y'all know my side is hurting after laughing so hard. <laughs> Dale teed off from watching that ball goes up right upside. Bam! That branch falls. Right that branch falls. Here comes that bird. Right, Ronnie hollers. He got him a birdie. He got him a birdie. Oh, killed that bird. <laughs> he knocked that branch out. But I'll tell you what. I don't think that bird ever got back up in that tree. <laughs> See, you miss stuff like that. You don't go out and have fun every night. You gotta have. Fun. But listen, this Bible is our rule book as well as God's diary. God's diary. <laughs> God tells us everything about Him. You look at the uh, Genesis through Revelation. It tells us everything we need to know about it. It tells us the creation of the world. It tells us in the book of the Psalms. Listen, David had a mind to write of the things of God like we'd have never saw if he hadn't have been that poet at heart. Right, right. That's right. You think that when he was out there as a shepherd out in them fields, these things weren't going through his mind? Standing out there in the dark and sometimes and, and, and looking up and all them stars up there. And he already knew who God was. And he was communicating with God. And God put some of that stuff in his heart. The 23rd Psalm. Right. Yeah. The 
Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. A farmer couldn't have wrote that. A fisherman couldn't have wrote that. It had to be a shepherd. <laughs> and not only that, he didn't just tell us about him. He told us what he's capable of doing and that he's in control. He gave us the book of Revelation. John's out there on this island, got nobody to talk to, and Jesus shows up and says, John, I'm about to blow your mind. I'm going to tell you everything that's going to happen in the future. There ain't nobody on no 800 line out there in California to tell you anything John has. Them psychics out there, they come and go. Y'all remember 20 years ago when they put them all in jail? Because they, who knew it all them people? History repeats itself. Here they are again. Going to do the same thing. Ain't nothing different. The Bible tells us everything we need to know about it. It tells us about us. It tells us about sin. Flee. We need to flee that stuff. Second thing we need, we need a line. We need some fishing line. The line represents prayer. John 14, 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Why is he going to do what, what we ask in his name? You see the key to that? To glorify the Son. Chandler, I know you just now driving. I saw you down there practicing at the beach. You prayed the Lord for a Ferrari. <laughs> Lord, I need a Ferrari. <laughs> I know how to drive straight drive now. I'd be good at it. Lord says, sure thing, Chandler. Where's the glory in the Father now? Glory in the Son. But Chandler, you pray and say, Lord, give me a passionate heart to lead others to Christ. Lord's going to honor that. You know why? Because it glorifies the Son. It's not an open season for anything you ask for. Lord, I need a big house. Why do you need a big house? <laughs> okay? The line is prayer. And the key to that verse can be found in that phrase, in my name. When we pray for things, it needs to be things the Lord should want. Not what I want. The Bible already promises He's going to take care of it. We do need to pray for our needs because like I said, why are you here? God wants to talk to us. And that don't mean that just as, as soon as you need something and you go, hey Lord, this is me. How you doing? God's going to be standing there waiting on you. He's not a telephone operator. He wants an open line of communication. He wants to be able to talk all the time. Right. He's not a wish fulfiller. Communication means what? It goes back and forth. He wants to talk to you as bad as you want to talk to him. Maybe more so. Yeah, more so. That's why he puts you here. He wants to talk to you. And we hinder, hinder that by putting sin in our heart. We have to cleanse that. And then when we cleanse that, then that line of fellowship, communication is open. James 5.16 says, The fervent prayers... Of a righteous man. Righteous man. You can pray all day long. If you ain't righteous, they ain't going nowhere. The fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. That means it reaps a lot. That means it gets a lot of what. You know why? Because then prayers are anchored in what the Lord wants. Just because you're fervently praying 
for your Ferrari don't mean he's going to answer that. It's what is focused in. A good example of that is from the Old Testament. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. It wasn't a couple years ago. This was a famous passage. Somebody must have preached on it and it, was a, it just took over. Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Now on the surface, that's it. Lord, enlarge my coast. Give me more. Is there honor in that? Not on the surface. But what do you want more for? He had, an he had an appetite for what God can do. He knew what God could do. He knew what to pray for. And he knew if he prayed for it, he had faith that God would answer his prayer. If it was in God's will. He had an appetite. He also made an appeal to God for it. Well, he knew who to pray to for it. And then he availed himself to what God had abundantly supplied. He thanked him for what he had already supplied. And he thanked him for what he had not supplied. But was on the way. Now listen, a lot of times God can do things for us here. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven forward. There was a little poem. I don't even know where I got it from. I thought it was pretty neat. It fit right here. It says, the hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets before we reach the heavenly fields or walk the golden streets. You know what them hills of Zion and producing them thousand sacred sweets are? You know where you find them at? Right there. Right there. And in prayer. In prayer. You praying? You ever had that time you're just praying and it just seems like God just takes over your prayer? It starts... You know what I'm saying? You're communicating to him, but, but somehow it just overflows the other way. He just starts talking to you. And he opens things up to your heart, to your mind's eye, and, and I ain't talking about signs and things like that. You know what I'm talking about. He lays things on your heart and just blesses you to death. And I'm telling you, man, when God gets a hold of you, sometimes you got to beg and let go. You just physically can't take it. That's right. You ever been like that? It's a rarity, but it does happen. Man, it's nice when it happens. But you've got to have the prayer. And you've got to be praying right to get it. You've got to be praying right. Third thing. <laughs> you need a hook. <laughs> you've got to have a hook. What good is it do you throw the line out there if it ain't got a hook on the end of it? That hook represents faith. Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said... <clears throat> unto him that thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. As fishermen, we must know what or who we are going after. And I'm not saying we pray, Lord, uh, when I go out here today, my target's going to be this person. And I'm going to hook him with this. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is most of the time, the, the testimony you have is going to be somebody you know. Even in the cases when it's a perchance meeting of some type. God's going to steer that conversation in a way. He's going to make some comment or she's going to make some comment or something. You, you have something out of the Bible for. Right. Amen. You know. Um, God's not just going to hang you out there. God will give you the words to say. Right. <clears throat> Most people we witness to, we, we have a connection with them. And, and God will, through some encounter or some event and 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 listen i've had it happen in my own life where there's people i've worked with in some jobs i've never had to say a word 
never had to say a word. But when they get in trouble, when they really get in trouble, you know who they come to? They come to me. I, what did I do? What did I say? It ain't nothing in me. They're not seeing me. They're seeing him. And I'll tell you, I, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, that should be a humbling thing right there. <laughs> sometimes I get so focused at work, man, I get so frustrated. Blow a lid or two. <laughs> I've never got that angry at work. They ain't saying I ain't got close. <laughs> but I try my best to hold it together. I don't want to lose my testimony in front of people that I spend just as much time with as I do my own family. There's people that I work with that claim to be Christians and go to these, I'm telling you, demon churches. What else can you call them? They're using a fake gospel with fake singing, with a fake book, and they've offered fake salvation, and then people eating it up like oats to a goat. They, going, they think they're going to heaven on that fake Bible. And that fake gospel. And they're going to ride it out to eternity and end up in the lake of fire. Yes, right. You know why? Because they're basing it on emotion. It ain't real. It just felt good. It moved me. You better be careful. It might be gas. Yeah. That's right. And listen. When you put a hook on that line, these guys will tell you that are professional. Man, there's all kinds of hooks out there. There's treble hooks. There's a, a, a two-alt. There's a number three. There's a number six. Depends on what you're fishing for. Right. Hey, listen, they got them shark hooks out there. If we go down there to the beach, uh, that place down there, they got all that fishing. Man, they got hooks down there that long, that big ring. And I'm like, man, I like hooks. I'm not so sure I want a hook. You hook something like that, you realize it's big enough to pull you off that piece. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was little one time, my Uncle Doug, he used to go shark fishing down at Curry Beach Pier. Daddy might, Daddy might remember this. Hooked a hammerhead one time on the pier. That thing, I don't know, little as I was, it looked like it's 30 foot long. I know what happened. <laughs> Fought that thing almost all day. Worked that thing up the pier, tired out, got down there on the, and drawn that thing up on the coast. Uh, coast. And I'm standing there looking at that thing. Man, that was something. Right. And then Peter Benchley wrote that book, Jaws. I was like, man, <laughs> I ain't getting in that water. <laughs> That's why God made swimming pools. <laughs> I do. I, I'm telling you, when I go down to the beach, li literally, now, now Tucker, Dalton, all that, they, they go way out there. Savannah, Savannah ain't got no fear. She'd float to Europe if they left. Me, I can't take that. I, as soon as she got, I'm like, there's something under her feet. I can see it. There's something out there. I, I got to go. I can't take it. I got to leave. Oh, Lord, it just drives me crazy. Fourth thing you need, you need some bait. You got to have some bait. That bait represents love. Represents love. Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. There's no saying you get a whole lot more with honey than you do with vinegar. You drank some vinegar before, right? You know what I'm talking about. Honey sure tastes a lot better than vinegar. 
You do better off to have a sweet aura about you than you do a sour one. Amen. And listen, you know, y'all got them friends. Man alive. You would not believe what happened to me today. Can you believe that? Every time something happened. Well, I wish they'd have done this. Why'd they have to do that? Always a negative look on. I hate being around people like that. And you know what? Everybody else does too. All you're doing is dragging people down. Right? Man, them people that always have a positive attitude, good about everything. I work with some guys like this. Uh, there, there's a driver, listen, I'm telling you, he drives what they call one of them lift gates. You know, it's got that little lift gate on the rear. Listen, that means he's got them residents. He's got to go to people's houses and drop off these pieces of furniture, fighting that stuff up a, dr a rock driveway and down in a, a dirt road and all that mess. And he's all the time got the thing. Always a positive attitude. I'm like, man, I hope they see that in me when they look, look at me. I don't think they do. <laughs> Just a positive attitude. Listen, there's all kinds of bait out there. And listen, it comes down to two ultimate choices. Number one, you got lures. And number two, you got live bait. And listen, these fishermen know anything about what they're doing, they're going to tell you they know nothing beat live bait. But these lures, there's a post on Realtree's website dated May the 4th, 2018. Listen to this, Brandy. Donna, you might be interested in this. It lists the following stats from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's 2016 National Survey of Fish and Hunting and Wildlife Associated Recreation. There was almost 36 million Americans, 16 years or older, went fishing in 2016. 36 million. <laughs> now here we go. Anglers, fishermen, spent $46.1 billion in one year. 46 points. You realize that's more than most countries' gross domestic. What do you call that thing? The money they make? 46.1 billion dollars on fishing related expenses. 21.1 billion of that on equipment. On average, that's about $1,290 per fisherman. Of course, there's some that go far out there and some that just break the surface, you know. But specifically, anglers spent $852 million on artificial lures, flies, and bait. Right. It's all in catching the monster. <laughs> That's what it is. Right. Catching the big daddy. Going out there catching the one that you're going to mount on the wall if your wife lets you. Right? You don't want to go out there and catch no little men. Huh? Hey. I mean, really, let's face it. What are you going out there fishing for? And when I go fishing, I catch the bait that the other guys who know what they're doing use to catch the big ones. <laughs> I catch the cut bait. That's what we got. Yeah. I'll never forget, what was that? Years ago, we went down there, Brian, all of us down there, and we out there, we about sound asleep. Brian sitting over there beside him, got the fishing rod up there. That thing said, whap! Popped all the eyelets out of the fishing rod. Brian's jumping up out of his head, hooked the shark. You know what happens on the pier when somebody's hooking a shark? Everybody comes around and looking at that. It's fascinating. Always oh, awake then. <laughs> Listen, this, these lures. Now remember that lures are used to trick the fish into thinking it's real. It's flashy. It's attractive. That's the whole point of it. It's to draw that fish into something that looks real and snags it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> 
And then when they bite that thing, they realize, man, I didn't get a worm out of this. Right. You're going to, you know, uh, and listen, there's whole stores on just fishing. Bass Pro Shop. Well, does the name tell you anything? Bass Pro Shop. There ain't a lot of pros going there. Listen, they got whole sections of that just on fishing lures. These fake uh, worms that you use, man, they got every color in the rainbow in them things. Flex, no flex. Little sparkles, no sparkles. Little flaring tails on the end of them, no tails. Chop them up. And, and everybody's a pro. Hey, ours is the best. Nobody compares to ours. People eat that up. And they go out there and they lose more than they catch fish with. There's a lot of people out here in this world that are using lures in most churches today. Like I just said, fake, fake word. A fake gospel. All about emotion. Listen, you know where they learned that from? They learned that from Genesis chapter 11. Nimrod and his wife Samira, so Samira started all that stuff. Yeah. Again, a woman. When he died, she had to come up with some idea. And she started that whole Babylonian mystery religion. And listen, that stuff didn't die off in the ancient days. That stuff kept repeating and kept coming around. It might have had a different face on it, but you know what it all boiled down to? The worship of a goddess mother and a son. The father, the goddess mother, and the son. Nimrod, Samiris, and Tammuz, the child. You ever notice when you looked in a Catholic church these days? Who's wearing the crown? Mary's wearing the crown. Mary's wearing the crown. A lot of these churches today, I'm, t- I'm going to, Matt sent me that video. What's the guy's name? Spencer Smith? Spencer Smith. Yeah. Spencer Smith. I'm going to tell you what, you want to open it. That's some long videos, but I'm going to tell you, he really gets down. He's called the third act. There's like three videos on there. The first two, I think, about an hour and a half long. That third one's long. But he's getting into that, that, that worship of a goddess. And you think, well, you know, all these churches, they, they're really worshiping God. Well, yeah, they are. But, but what's the definition of the God when you get down into the details of what they're worshiping? They're, they're worshiping a God. Right. A female God. Yeah. A lot of people, they don't know it. You know why? Because they're doing what their mama did. They're doing what their daddy did. Right. They're doing what the status quo is. Well, my neighbor goes over there. It seems like a nice place. I can go in and wear my jeans, clap my hands a couple days, feel good when I come out of there. Well, that's a hook. Emotion. Right, yeah. Yeah, right. Never hear about the blood. Never hear about sin. Never hear about the consequences of sin. Joel Osteen, he's one of the big ones. And I told the Sunday school class, I hate to break your heart, but Billy Graham was a big one in it. I heard in the vi- one of them uh, videos, he had him on there. I, I ain't saying it verbatim. But he said, it don't matter what you believe, they're all going to heaven. He said that. Your duck dynasties? Works. Get you saved. Well, how do you know when you've done enough? That Bible says you'll never do enough. Paul said we come short. That don't mean that no matter what you do, you just can't quite. That means you'll never get there. No matter what you do, if you have some help. You must go through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only way. That's why he said I am the way, not a way. He said the way. And then the live bait. Listen, live bait is the only thing where, and again, I know this is kind of like tricking people, but 
But it's not the trick of it. But at, at some sense, we must lure them. They have to be attracted to it. Right. If they look at the church and there's nothing attractive about it, what would draw them in? And a lot of it does have to be God, but we have to be helpful in that. If we're acting like hell and the devil, ain't nobody going to come in here. Right. We need to be a light, not a blinding light that drives people away, but a light like a lighthouse, a rescue. Out in the dark, and they see that light, draw them in. To draw them in. That's the way it needs to be. Fifth, you need a reel. We got to have something to pull them in with. <laughs> I hate to say this, but, but to me that looks like uh, it's a sign of common sense. Matthew 10, 16, it says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Where does that wisdom come from? Come from Him. God's not going to send us in a sense as sheep into a den of wolves and expect us to figure our own way out, is He? If He put us in there, He's got a way out. And He'll give us the wisdom to get our way. I, it, it fascinates me. I, I look back at, and, and I haven't been here the whole time, but to hear Bud talk about a lot of things he's gone through in here. Listen. You just don't let somebody come in that door and say, hey, I'm a preacher, I'm a missionary, I want to get up there and present. Oh, no. You, mm -mm. you don't come up in this. Not in this place. Right. No. Not till we check you out. Right. Like I said, does he have the right book? There's some preachers we listen to online. And after you get to know them a little bit, you kind of hear them say things that just make you go, hmm? Huh? That's right. Questionable. That little Holy Spirit up there going, hey, did you catch that? <laughs> Were you paying attention? You got to be careful. Right. You know why? Because this right here don't belong to us. It belongs yeah. to Him. Right. Right. Amen. Yeah. right? And you just little things like that. And you think, man, how did He know? How, did, how was He smart enough for it? Because God, he, he lets God lead Him and God has protected Him and protected this church and protected this pulpit yes. because he allowed him to. And God honors that and God will honor that as long as he does that. Because he stays in the true work. That's getting to be a rare thing in these days. It's falling further and further away. Alright. Uh, sixth thing you need is a hand net. A hand net represents the church. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Now fishing for men is vastly different from fishing for uh, fish in that every single catch is a record set. Right. You hear what I said? Fishing for men, every catch is a record set. Yeah. We're told in the Bible that every time somebody gets saved, there's rejoicing in heaven. They get more excited about it up there than we do down here. Amen. For real. But the point here about the church is, it's important to remember, you know what, sometimes when we're reeling them in close to the boat, a vital tool will be the fishing net, the church that can help you get them over the side and into the boat. A lot of times when they see how we interact in the church, it'll make them want to jump in the boat. You see some of them videos out there catching them swordfish and they get them close that wave comes up, that thing comes in the boat at them. 
Now, I'm sure that fish don't want to really get in the boat, but you see what I'm saying? How this church interacts. When you're dealing with people, and here, here's a good time coming up, this revival. Uh, somebody may come in, ain't never been stepped a foot in church in their life, and they see how we interact with each other, and they think, man, these people get along better than my family does. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's the net. And it's not a net that's trapping them. It's actually a net that's helping them. Yes. God drawing them in. It's, it's like in uh, Psalm 91. That, uh, you see that picture of God's got his, uh, the mother hen, them wings spread out there. And what them babies want to do? We always want to go out and see the world. Yeah. We ain't looking up. We don't see that hawk up there waiting for us to come out from under there. And the mama hens keep scooping that baby up under there, protecting them. Right. We don't know what's good for ourselves. That net protects us. <clears throat> now, come, circling back to that final point in the intro about two very important things we need. Notice that when these guys left to follow Jesus, they didn't take anything with them. Right. Let's pack up our Mountain Dews. Pack up our trail mix, at least. You know they had that out there on fishing. Fishing make you hungry. Got some kind of snack. <laughs> they didn't take anything. In fact, the passage tells us that they even left their nets. Right. They left their nets. Now listen, as a fisherman, you know their lifeline was that net. That was the most important tool that they had. Didn't it just say they weren't even in the boat? The net was more important than the boat. Right. They could fish right there on the coast, but they had to have the net to do it. <laughs> when they left, they left their nets. Why in the world did they do that? Because Jesus has all the tools and equipment we will ever need. He said, come and follow me and I will make you. He didn't say, I will show you. He said, I will make you. That means he'll teach them the way, he'll show them the way, and he'll give them everything they could possibly need to be the fisherman. He tells us the same thing. He didn't turn us loose out in this world and not give us the equipment that we need to be a good witness. And a good testimony. Luke 12, 11, 12 says, And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto the magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye should answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. He'll give you the words you need. But at the same time, you're going to have to be read up so you have a foundation to fall back on to know what to say. You ain't just going to walk out here and he's going to give you the words to say. These people that quote these books of the Bible verbatim, David does that quite a bit. You don't think he just woke up one day and could do that, do you? Really? Man, he had to study that thing, study that thing, and study that thing. But listen, he calls us to be fishermen, fishers of men. That does not mean you have to go out here and beat somebody over the head. Lord, bless God, you going to hell. You know what I'm saying? That's vinegar, baby. <laughs> In most cases, that's vinegar. Some people that might work for. But you just be nice, and they say, man, I'll tell you, I just, I just don't know what to do about this. And you say, you know what? I was reading something the other day, and in the Bible it says this. God, God loves you, man. You ever thought about that? Have you ever just stopped and thought about where are you going to be in eternity? Where are you going? Plant that seed. And when they leave and they go about their job, I'm going to tell you, 
The Holy Spirit start working on them people, and they can't get that thought out of their head. They go home at night, and they start to eat, and they get indigestion. They can't eat. They take a shower, and they get in the bed, and they can't sleep because they thought, where am I going to be? Where am I going to be? Where am I going to be? And God's letting that seed get planted. It's, it's growing in there. And it might take a day. It might take a week. It may take years. You never know. It may not even be you. It may be somebody else they find. Right. And that net reaches out and draws them in. All of us that are saved tonight, we've had that happen to us. There was a seed planted. It could have been a pastor. It could have been a teacher. It could have been vacation Bible school. It could have been a, a Sunday school teacher. It could have been a friend. It could have been a family member. It could have been a radio. Somebody somewhere planted that seed in your heart. And God watered that thing, cultivated that thing, and it blossomed out, and He opened your eyes and showed you your need of salvation and you got saved. That's how much work and effort God put into you. Now don't you think He deserves the same, at least the same from us? Alright, that's all I got. Let's stand. Uh, we won't do an invitation, but listen. I just want you to think about that. Being fishermen of men. He gives us the tools we need. He's not wanting you to go out here in the Colosseum and start up an evangelistic crusade. We all are, are interacting with people every day that we can witness to. Being a witness is not so much just for unsaved people. Hey, you can be an edifier of another Christian brother. Your good attitude may just be what they need to lift them up through today. Be good news for each other. Help each other. That should be our prayer. To be a help. Be fishers of men. Okay? Let's be dismissed. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be here this, uh, this morning and tonight. Lord, I pray that you just take these messages, Lord. Let them work on our hearts. Um, and, and Lord, if we are in a situation where you would have us to testify, Lord, give us the courage. Give us the words to stand in, uh, that we need. Uh, and, and the faith to follow through with it. Lord, we don't have to lead them to you right there. Some cases that happens, but in most cases we're just planting a seed, watering that seed, cultivating that seed, whatever it is. Lord, you do all the work anyway. I mean, it's through us, but it's your work. Help us to just be available to do that work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.